HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that Wisconsin wins more national and international cheese awards than any other state or country? To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome to the Grape Nation, your weekly wine journey, except for this week, it's going to be your weekly sake journey. Our guest star, Yumiko Munieko, did I get that right? I know you said Pinocchio. (laughs) I I blacked out for a second. And Jason Geiger from Sake Suki. We'll talk to Yumiko and Jason about all things sake. We'll taste through a bunch of sakis during the show and during our weekly wine sip. I'm your host, Sam Ben Ruby. Stay with us for the Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. We bring wine to the people and sake. All right, Yumiko is the president of Saki Suki. She was born and raised in Fukai, Fukui, Fukui mm-hmm. Prefecture, and also in Ishikawa, Japan. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm which is a region famously known for their rice and sake production. Yumiko came to the U.S. in 2011. That's the first time you came? I was a foreign exchange student when I was in high school back then, but moved to New York in 2011. Okay, so Yumiko came in 2011 with the intention of bringing great sake to the U.S. and focusing on small production regional artisanal sakes known as jizaki, which we'll discuss. Jason Geiger is also a co-founder of Saki Suki, and Jason is a certified Saki advisor from the Saki Service Institute. Sounds like a fancy title. <laughs> we'll figure out what that is. 
Um, welcome to the show, Yumiko and Jason. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. <clears throat> I've been meaning to do a show on sake for a while. And when I met you guys and looked into your brand, it just made sense that you would be the right guys to come on. So before we get started, I want you guys to take just a couple of minutes to talk to me about your background. Not the sake background, but mm -hmm. you guys, your journey in life and sake that got you ultimately now to sake suki. Sure. So where do we start? Do, I do you want to start where how how we met or even well, do going, that, do going that before quickly. that? Do that quickly. <laughs> so we actually both worked together at the same uh, Japanese investment bank. Ah. Um, that's why Yumiko moved here in 2011. Okay. And uh, Hurricane Sandy hit and our office was uh, shut down. Uh, so we had... Uh, this is know, Manhattan? This is Manhattan. Okay. And we had disaster recovery offices and... Uh, you had a new seat. Um, you weren't necessarily sitting next to the same person that you would sit next to normally. And on my second day in the disaster recovery space, Yumiko sat next to me. And that was the first time we ever talked. And I actually wanted to impress her, so I used any sake knowledge that I knew. Did um, you have any? I knew a couple of words. Okay. Did I know what they meant? Maybe not. Okay. <laughs> um, but so our very first conversation together was actually about sake so okay. it's pretty incredible that you fast forward to you know 2018 now and we've got this uh this company and yumiko when he like dropped that sake stuff yeah. on you were you like what's his problem yeah, or it's like he was like i really like to drink daikinjo like oh wow he knows the japanese <laughs> like sake word like oh, that's right. impressive. so that's how you met that's pre any business mm -hmm. all right so tell me how the business part came together. So, yeah. Um, so I was born in Fukui, as you mentioned. That's like the smallest town in Japan. Like, no one knows about that prefecture. It's just, it faces Japan Ocean. It's a very tiny population in that prefecture. Now, a prefecture in Japan is mm -hmm. a region, like a, a county, an area. What would you equate it to? It's here? like a state. State, in the okay. All right. So I was born in Fukui Prefecture. That's the location where many sake production, like sake breweries, are coming from. And then I moved to Ishika Prefecture, which is uh, north of Fukui. So then. Why? Because your family moved, um, or no? I really hated Fukui. Oh, you did. Like, <laughs> okay. Nothing is there. As a teenager, like it was just such a boring city, and nothing is there. Just rice production, sake, and then snow, mountains, ocean. Right. So I moved to Ishikawa when I was Sounds in. Sounds terrible. <laughs> snow, mountains, sake. <laughs> but please go ahead. And then um, I was a foreign exchange student in the States when I was a uh, sophomore year. And then after I graduated from uh, high school in Ishikawa Prefecture, I moved to Tokyo because, you know, Hokuriku region, you know, where Ishikawa and Fukui uh, consisted of. It's kind of boring as a teenager. Right. And I always wanted to go to Tokyo, the big city. And I went to uh, college there and then graduated and I started working for a U.S. investment bank in 2008. In Tokyo? In Tokyo. Okay. And then I started dreaming about moving to the States because I spent a year in California as a foreign exchange student and, but never worked in the States. And as a, I was a sales for foreign exchange. 
Um, then the market always moves in New York mark in New York time. So I always come to wanted to come to the States. So that kind of passion, the dream brought me to the, the States, to New York. But I'm just curious, you grew up in a region that was, you know, rich with sake, mm-hmm. rice growing and production. Right. Did you pay any attention or have any interest? I know it was in the backdrop. Right. But it did it mean anything to you when then? I, I know child, now is like, different. Yeah, it's like it was just there in front of me all the time. Right. So I took it as like granted. My grandpa right. used to drink it every night. He heated sake in the winter season. I was smelling it and then saying, I still remember I was, was saying, around like, oh, you. that right. smells so nice. I want to taste it. So It's like an Italian family with wine on the <laughs> table all the time, right? Yeah. Um, so... Jason, fill in a little, you know. So, so actually, when when Yumiko moved here, um, we were both doing very similar things um, in our finance jobs, and you know, there was customer entertainment, and we'd go out to dinner and go to nice restaurants and order wine or order sake. Um, and one of the things that Yumiko mentioned to me early on, uh, I guess it was kind of like what I was trying to do when I was in attempting to impress her with whatever <laughs> vocabulary I had, um, you know, certain, you know, clients would say, oh, I'll only drink Jumai Daiginjo, which is of the highest grade. Um, but they weren't necessarily paying attention to the food that they were eating. Uh, they were just picking something that maybe was the highest price on the menu um, or that they read was of the highest quality, but it w- wouldn't necessarily be right for the food at the time. So I think it caused a little bit of frustration for... Yumiko at the time, uh, because it truly showed her that people living here, and New York is an unbelievable city, you know, um, but it showed her that people don't really know much about sake in in general. Um, They were, you know, kind of picking based on price at at a fancy restaurant. Right. Um, And And, and no clue how to pair. Right, right. Right. So uh, it kind of... I, would you, would yeah, you say you were frustrated a little bit by that? Yeah, it's like uh, all the clients are saying, like, oh, I only drink Jumai Daikinjo or Daikinjo. That's now, just quickly sake. for the mm-hmm. audience, Jumai Daikinjo mm-hmm. is what? A classification? It's or? a classification. The Junmai word itself means... J-U-N-M-A-I? Uh-huh. Correct. And what's the next that, word? Uh, Daikinjo. So okay. the Junmai meaning that no brewer's alcohol has been added at any point during the process. And then the daiginjo refers to the milling rate, how much of the rice was polished. Which we'll get into. Correct. All right, so you guys are together. Mm -hmm. You're going, taking clients out. You're drinking sake. Mm -hmm. You're watching people, you know, not matching, pairing sake properly. When is the revelation that, you you know, you're going to do something with sake? And tell me if you pack it in and go full speed or you do it at night. So at, at first, actually, Yumiko wanted to bring it in for our own consumption. It had nothing to do with it becoming a business whatsoever. Right. That makes zero economic sense whatsoever. Um, it's extremely expensive to bring it in in the amount of quantity that we would be able to actually drink it. Uh, so Yumiko said, well, why don't we just import it for the masses then? Let's, let's bring it in so everyone else can enjoy it. And uh, I said, we have no experience in this business whatsoever. And she said, so let's figure it out. While you're working? While we're working. Okay. And uh, she, she has since, uh, she since dove right in, and now she's doing it full-time, and I, I still go to uh, 
job. The, the job during the day. So it's, it's after hours for me. So was it difficult to get Saki shipped cases? I mean, did yeah. you realize there was all kinds of regulations and yeah, bonding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You went through all those growing pains? It was like when we decided, oh, okay, let's bring some like small production, local sake to the right. States. And then we formed LLC. And then we found a back office who can take care of the formula testing, label registry, and everything. But it just takes so much time. And then we didn't know any regulation. We talked to a lawyer. And then. But what about sales? I mean, okay, so whatever you bring right. in, pallets full of sake. Did you envision that, did you talk to people or you were going to first go out there and... We had nothing sold he did, when, yeah, no. when that first container arrived. <laughs> I was afraid arrived. you were going to say that. Okay. There was nothing sold. Okay. So we have to actually bring the container to the States, then we can start selling. That's right. what we are told. So you have to get it here physically. Yeah. And then the container gets here mm-hmm. and you start talking to people. Right, right. You primarily... Actually, Jason found some like nice connections. So a friend of mine uh, was a beverage director for a restaurant group, and uh, he introduced me to Ned Benedict of, of Grand Cru Selections. Uh, so I had our first meeting with Ned one-on-one. Now, Ned is Grand Cru Selections. <laughs> They're a uh, importer, distributor. Yes. Yeah, and they have an a- which excellent is an portfolio. And a, right, a high-end portfolio, yep. which is an important piece for your business to begin and grow. Yes. And one of the things that Yumiko said very early on was she wanted to get Japanese sake out of the pigeonhole that is it's only consumed with Japanese food. Right. It's it's BS. Uh, it can go with so many different types of cuisines. Um, All right. We'll get into that. Sure. Let's, because there's a lot to talk about that mm-hmm. way. So what year are we talking about when this container... So we started the company in 2013, and then the first container arrived in the spring of 2016, so almost two years ago. And and how much sake are we talking about on this first shipment? First container, we brought almost 400 cases. Okay, and were you hooked in with Grand Crew by then? Nope. Okay, so you you were working distribution and all of that. That eventually happens? That eventually happens. We... We're really confident in the the product itself. The story is good. The story is great. The product itself is great. The packaging looks nice. Uh, so, you know, we rolled the dice that we were going to bring in, you know, 400 right. mm-hmm. cases of something that we've never attempted to sell before. Now, Yumiko, yes. the type of sake you bring in is called jizaki, J-I-Z-A-K-E. Tell us what Jizaki is, because mm-hmm. I think that's what made your product interesting and right. stand out. So Jizaki is like a small production, and then um, their products are actually coming from the local products, like right. the rice cultivated in the region. Of course, the water is from there. It's just they are based in the like, rural area. And so earlier we equated it to like craft breweries, right, right. small production, small business. Because mm-hmm. like anything, whether it's whiskey, wine, beer, there are large manufacturers. Right. These are small artisanal yes. ingredient, the brewery, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So you committed to bring in Jizaki. Yes. Saki. Yes. Which is to this day what you still do. Yeah. All right. So let's let's. Let's dive into sake now, all right? We have a little background. We know who we're talking to, what they're doing, how they got here. So give me, this may be the most boring part, and I don't want it to be the longest part, 
but just give me a little history of sake. It's tied to Japan, right? Yes. And it goes way back. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, tell me where sake came from. Jason, you want to take this? Uh, sure. Well, in its very first form, you'd take a, you know, a wad of rice, put it in your mouth, chew it up, and spit it back into a bucket. Cover that bucket and open it up later, and you had the first form of sake. So the natural enzymes in your mouth would help break down the rice, and voila, you had the first form of sake later on. Fortunately, it's not the way it's made today. Um, that would be disgusting. Uh, but that's literally how but it, it was started. the enzymes that processed the product. Right? Correct, correct. And then uh, sake started to take its form uh, when koji mold arrived uh, in Japan. And that koji mold has is the core of sake production. It's the core of Japanese cuisine. Koji mold is used in making uh, miso or making soy sauce. It's also a key component in, uh, in sake. So it's, uh, it's got a long history, and it's, it's evolved very much so. I mean, back to 3rd, 4th, 5th century, I mean, Even before sake then. has a very deep history. Yeah. And some of the makers have been around for hundreds and hundreds of yes. years, um, including some of the people that you import and all mm -hmm. of that. Um, so sake is, like jazz is American, sake is Japanese. Absolutely. It could be made anywhere, but it originated in Japan. All right, so let's talk about how sake is made, all right? Let's talk about ingredients first. There's a short, short list of what goes into sake, and that is? Rice, water, and koji mold. And koji mold, you could equate to, like, yeast for fermenting wine? You would also add yeast um, later on as well. That, that would also be a, another ingredient. Um, the koji mold itself helps to break down the rice into glucose so that the yeast has something to actually eat and then in turn produce alcohol. Right. Um, without the koji, we don't have sake. So it's a rice-based alcohol product. Correct. It... The fermentation is started by koji, a mold. Mm -hmm. And how do we differentiate that from, let's say, wine and beer, process-wise? Just so people have sort of a reference. Well, it's more like beer okay. uh, than wine. Uh, but in, in beer, you have the you know, a malting process. Whereas with the sake, you inoculate the koji onto the onto rice, creates koji rice, and then you combine that with more rice and more water, uh, and then you have the fermentation that happens uh, where you actually have multiple parallel fermentation. I know I'm geeking out a little bit here. That's okay. <laughs> but in the same tank, while the koji rice uh, is breaking down the, the other rice into uh, glucose, in that same tank, at the same time, you have yeast that is then breaking down that sugar into alcohol and carbon dioxide. So that's how you get the alcohol yep. content. And that's unique to sake production, the multiple parallel fermentation. All right, I know the answer to this, but I need you to tell the listeners. I mean, you don't use any rice, and you just don't harvest the rice and make sake with it. Mm -hmm. So what kind of rice are you using? There's qualities and types. And what are you doing to the rice to make it, you know, ready for sake? Do you want to take that, or would you like me to run with it? Well, so rice is 
first of all, in, in Japan, more than 50% of the agricultural fields are uh, used for, for rice production. And out of all of that, only 1% is used to make sake rice. Okay. Sake because rice. Because it's a different rice. It's a different rice. Okay. The kernels are larger. They're more fragile. Um, and it's, uh, it's a laborious task. Uh, so that 1% is grown for sake. Yes. In essence, it's grown and used yes. for sake. Sake rice is edible, but it's not delicious in, right. it, in its pure form. You said fragile. What does that mean? It breaks or cracks? Yes. So part of the uh, production process in the very beginning is you mill the rice to, you know, you polish away uh, proteins to try to get to the starchy core. You don't want the proteins or the bran. That's what you're essentially getting rid Removing. of. Removing, okay. But, you know, depending upon how much you mill determines how much, you know, proteins may be left over. Um, so there's different levels of polish. Correct. For different. Mm-hmm. Um, how is that managed by percentages? Yes, it's more the weight. Then it goes to the classification of the rice polish ratio. So it's percentage. Like if you polish fifty percent or more, like half right. or more, then it goes to Jumai Daiginjo. That's the premium. So it's classified yeah. based on the percentage mm-hmm. policy. Yeah. Now. Just help me with this. Is more polishing better or less polishing is better? Or that's a silly question. What are we eating? The, so <laughs> so it, it, it depends. Well, that's a good point. But I'm just talking, like, if I said to you, is a 12-year-old scotch better than an 18? The general answer is the 18's better. But mm-hmm. you may have a taste for it. If it's polished more, it's more refined. <laughs> okay. It's to a put, more refined it, product. But it's it a simply. taste thing and a food pairing thing. Correct. Yeah, if you polish more, the taste tends to be cleaner, more like elegant. Right. So you polish the rice. Mm-hmm. You make a rice koji. This is where I'm confused and I need you to mm-hmm. just give me the mix again. Koji inoculates the rice. Correct, to create koji rice. Then the koji rice... And other rice that you previously steamed are combined with water and yeast. And they're, uh, to put it simply, they're going into a vat. And that vat is where sake is, is being produced. A closed vat? Uh, it's, an open, it's an open vat. Mm-hmm. Um, is it warm? Is, is the, what's the temperature? So it depends on whether or not it's, we're making traditional sake or modern day sake. Modern day sake is about ninety percent of what of what's out there, and uh, that's fermented at a higher temperature. The reason why we're able to do that in the modern form is because lactic acid will be added to the fermentation starter. Right. That lactic acid helps inhibit unwanted bacteria from growing. Traditional form, and we're going to try one of those later. Okay. Traditional form, lactic acid is not added, so therefore fermentation happens. It occurs at a lower temperature. The lactic acid will occur naturally, but it just takes more time. Right. It's about twice the amount of time as, as modern sake. Now, how's the lactic acid added? As, as a liquid? or It's, it's in a liquid form, okay. um, but it's, uh, it's commercially available. Right. And uh, like I said, 90% is, uses that. Right, which you sort of tagged as a more modern sake. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, why is that? That's just the palate of the consumer... That's just the best way to make it. It just speeds up the process. It does. Yeah. Easier to manage, speeds it up, more cost effective. Right. Now, are there 
sake makers that are like, screw that, I want to do it the old-fashioned yeah. way, and they pride themselves yeah. on that. So that's called Yamahai or Kimoto style. So okay. they don't have lactic acid added. So it just stays in the cold temperature for twice longer of the, the you know, regular right. process. So, but it stays in the comp- cold temperature for a long time. So the sake gets a little bit earthy, heavier, a little bit like Those gamey. are the differences. Yeah. Okay. So it's not... So you have to like that profile, mm-hmm. you yes. know, to like that. Mm-hmm. That's like beer, uh, India Pale Ale, and a Pilsner. They're both right. beer, but they're distinctly different mm-hmm. sure. flavor pl- profiles. That, yeah, that'll like a do red wine of sake. So, mm. right. So the process takes how long? from when you finish polishing the rice and inoculating it and, you know, and all the... The fastest you're going to do is in three months. Three months? In three months. Okay. Is that Forget r- about the rice growing season. Yeah, yeah, I'm talking finished. Pro- is yeah. that rushing it or that's typical? No, that's that, that can be considered typical. Uh, it depends on how much time a producer wants to keep sake in a storage tank to right. help it mature. Now, are there, like, wine... Or even beer now, are there benefits to aging sake? There is a category of aging sake. Okay. Yes. Is it a smaller category per se? Yeah, it's kind of growing a little bit, but still it's super rare. Right. Even in Japan. So if sake is made with quality products, made properly, mm-hmm. it's a three, four month process. Correct. You know, you don't have to do it longer to make it better. Right. You know, shorter is not going to help because you need the three months. It's right. all the ingredients. Now, there's all kinds of great waters in yeah. Japan. Mm-hmm. Do they have an effect on the sakis and some of the profiles? Yeah. Some like may a, have more limestone. Yeah, if the water has more acidity, like masculine water, and then the sake gets earthy, and then the soft water uh, makes the sake a little bit, you know, softer, lighter. Now, can... The makers can't control that. It's the water in their right, region, right. right? So that's the Jizake. It's <coughs> so, a local production. So regions sort of have their own profile. Yes. It's like in France, you grow on schist uh-huh. or limestone. Yeah. The wines have those characteristics. So the water and the several, you know, there are several kinds of rice in that region. So what kind of uh, rice you pick? And then the master brewery, like what kind of technique the master brewery is using? And then the water resource. Do the sake makers... They don't grow their own rice. They contract it, or is it a, like an estate thing where grapes mm-hmm. at a winery are grown and then vinted? Do they make their own rice, or are they? Uh, one of our breweries actually make their, their own rice because the rice became almost extinct. So the brewer, the thirteen generation of the the sake brewer, decided to save the rice. So they actually grow on their own to make their own right. sake. Right. So it's very special. So I'm assuming since you've been doing this, you've created tighter relationships with the sake people you import. Yeah. You know, at first you had this idea to bring sake uh-huh. over. You know, now these are your your makers and, you know, in a way they're friends, family. Mm-hmm. You know, you rely on them. Um, do you go back and meet with them yeah i go back to japan like twice a year twice or three times a year every time i go back i visit my hometown right which is you know where our sake 
is coming from. So I visit them, see the production, and talk to the president, workers, right. and Toji, the master brewery. You don't stick your two cents in and say this should be sweeter or more like, do you input at all about what the market is saying? I tell them what kind of um, trend is happening in okay. New York, and then they have several kinds of sake, so maybe next next time I'm going to bring this, maybe right. not this one. Like You can we, help them with what's popular yes. or taste and uh -huh. all that. That's a good thing. Um, all right, so let's talk about the different types of sake. That's sort of how sake's made. I mean, we were simplistic, but it's really a handful of ingredients and a process that's not, you know, too long. So there's all different types of sakis. I need you to break it down for me. But before we get into that, we poured a sake, and we're drinking right now. Just tell me what we're drinking. Sure. So... This is Junmai Ginjo of Kagatsuru. So Kagatsuru is the name of the sake brewery. Okay, spell for me. Kagatsuru is K-A-G-A-T-S-U-R-U. Okay. Kagatsuru. So actually... And this is one of the products you bring in. Yes. And available at restaurants and better wine stores. Correct. I know that. That's on the website. <laughs> Thank so you. So just quick me, quickly tell me what we're drinking because we have three sakis in front of sure. us. Sure. So Kagatsuru <laughs> is the name of the brewery. They are the oldest brewery in Ishikawa Prefecture where okay. I grew up. Um, so the samurai who established Ishikawa Prefecture, the state, when he moved to the area, he brought a sake maker with him. That's the, actually the first generation of Kagatsuru. Now 18th generation is the owner and then the president. They have 434 years of history. Wow. So that is like a king's sake. Right. And it's a jizaki. Yes. So their output is limited. They mm -hmm. make what they want to and can Correct. make. Um, so it's a small artisanal. Mm -hmm. So what type of sake is this? This is Junmai Ginjo. Okay, you said that. And yes. what is that? I mean, what are the characteristics sure. or descriptors? So the rice polish ratio is uh, 55. Okay. So the rice polish ratio between 50 and 60 is considered put into the category of Junmai Ginjo. Okay. So no minimum requirement for Junmai for in terms of polish ratio. So right. anything not alcohol added is Junmai. Okay. And then if you polish more, then Junmai Ginjo. And then goes up to Junmai Daiginjo. That's the category. Okay. So Junmai, Junmai Ginjo, and then Junmai Daiginjo. This okay. is Junmai Ginjo. So is it fair to say when you talk about types of sake, Junmai is one type? Mm -hmm. How many types are there? There's special, ordinary. I mean, how do you simplify and classify? You know, can you do that? Or? So the way Yumiko said it just now is probably the simplest form okay. we can break that down even further but are there categories besides junmai yeah so non non junmai so in the case of junmai ginjo its non junmai counterpart would just be called ginjo okay the fact that it doesn't have the word junmai means that alcohol was added uh, in a step in the, in the process so uh, why do you add alcohol? You, you had alluded earlier that sometimes alcohol is added. Most sure. of the times it's not. Sure. It's Why is alcohol added, and does that make it a better or not a better product? It's added in limited quantities, okay. so, so it shouldn't be thought of as some inferior product by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. Uh, it's added to bring out aromas. Uh, it can also help lighten up the, the just the overall profile. Uh, 
in a conversation Yumiko is actually having with a producer that we don't currently import, the the master brewer is a preschool friend of yours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's the master brewer now, and Yumiko had mentioned to him that people were adverse to drinking sake that had alcohol added because they thought it was an inferior product. Uh, and that... Just a perception thing, right? Yeah, it's just a perception mm-hmm. thing. More that, than anything. And it actually angered him because the adding of the brewer's alcohol happens quite towards the end of the process. So if you mess that step up, right. you just threw everything out the window. Right. Uh, so it's you actually... Hit, you hit a sore spot with him. Yeah. 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 So it's actually a, a very uh, important, difficult technique to, to hone. It uh, shows the brewer's technique. Now... Why would you do it? I mean, what makes, what does that do to the sake? What it makes it? It it can lighten the profile and bring out other aromas. Okay, so you said it lightens the profile, it brings out other aromas, and that's just a palette or technique thing or a type of. Sure, you know, back in in war torn days, you know, alcohol was added to increase output, but that is by no means the the rule today. So. Of the majority of sakis out there, how much sake um, has alcohol added to it? For brewers, seventy-five percent, maybe. Oh, so the majority in yeah. Japan. Yeah, yeah, just broadly speaking, yes. Right, right. I don't know what those numbers are for this. Yeah, states, but, but generally, the yeah. majority of what you're drinking. I think the last number I read was something around seventy-four percent. Right. Um, so, there's. Are there ordinary and special designations? Did we talk about that? I mean, in sake, is there such a thing? So you'll have a special designation with the word called tokubetsu, which basically, it, it basically means special. Um, but it's in the case of honjozo, which is the alcohol-added equivalent of junmai. Uh, right. Honjozo by itself has a minimum milling requirement of 70%. So 70% of the rice remains after polishing. If you polish that down to 60%, yes, you're getting into the ginjo category, but you could then call it a tokubetsu honjozo. Right. So so we have a, you put a chart in front of me. There's the junmai daiginjo. Mm-hmm. Is that that you said? There's junmai ginjo. Mm-hmm. Then there's junmai. So you have those three classifications. That's the pure sake style. That's pure the pure rice sake. Style. Yeah. And then there's another designation of daiginjo, right? Mm-hmm. Ginjo, hanjozo, mm-hmm. which you just said. And I'll post all this stuff. And then futsu shu, which is. Table sake. Table sake. Table sake. Just the cheaper. It's the cheaper. It's so is this chart table up to better or not necessarily? Up to refinement, if okay. you will. But, okay. you know, the way we have it here, and I know people at home can't see this. Uh, I may actually put a photo of it on. The, the amount of, in, of information that's on the internet, education-wise, is, yeah. is incredible. Um, but... For you have the lower chart here that we're looking at, and that's the alcohol added. Yes, bottom to top in terms of refinement, and then the same for the upper half where it's the Junmai style, right. bottom to top. Okay, I'll uh, post that. I don't want to get too nerdy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're gonna break in a few minutes, but before we do that, I think another important thing is I think people can be intimidated by sake because they know less about it than wine, and people are intimidated by wine. Our guests tell us that when they pick up a bottle. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what should they look for on a bottle? I mean, is all the information you need to know as a consumer on the bottle, or mm-hmm. can you tell my listeners, here are the things you need to look for? Um, if you look at the back label, and they, they might be saying that the label of SMV, which is? Sake meter value. Okay. So if the number is higher, it gets drier. So if you're looking for a drier sake, and they has to be like plus six, plus Higher sake SMV is drier. Okay. All things else being equal. Right. So you can get that info right on a bottle. So if you have a taste profile, you could look at that. What else can you get from the bottle? So I think while you're doing that, we should pour a little more of the uh, first sake so we can get to the next sake. Yumiko alluded to the SMV. We also include, and there are other importers that do this as well, but we include the acidity. We'll try to tell a little bit of a of a story, uh, because I'm from New Jersey. I don't grow up speaking or reading Japanese, so uh, the front label can be very intimidating. So right. we wanted to put as much information on the back label as possible. Little story, taste profile, some numbers. If Not so wants much to the way sake is delivered by the bottle, but the way you chose to do it. Correct. So when you pick up sake suki. Sakis, what are you going to find on the bottle? So you'll find a, a brief story of the producer, uh, a brief mention of the, uh, the, the profile, the, the taste, or maybe aromas. Uh, we'll talk about, we'll list the SMV that Yumiko just mentioned, as well as uh, acidity. Uh, and that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, okay. We have limited space, so, right. and we right. don't want to overwhelm people. It's as much or more information than you'll get with you know, most uh, alcoholic. Um, beverages, including mm-hmm. beer and wine and all that, and, and whiskey. Um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you how to serve, drink, sake, temperatures, glasses, there's warm, there's mm-hmm. cold. Um, and then uh, we get into the challenging part of pairing sakis. And we alluded to that a little. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely sake profiles that go with food beyond just sushi. Then I have a thing called the wine list where I ask my guests, I subject them to a bunch of questions. So we're talking to Jason Geiger and Yumiko Muniekio um, from Saki Suki. And we'll be right back after this break. You're listening to The Grape Nation on the Heritage Radio Network. Today's program was brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. What do you think of when you hear Wisconsin Cheese? For me, I think cheese curds. Delicious, fresh and squeaky cheese curds. Or deep fried cheese curds. Cheese curds literally anyway, anytime, anyplace. I think about Andy Hatch and Upland's Cheese, the farmstead cheese company behind Pleasant Ridge Reserve. I think of delicious, stinky Limburger and its long storied history. I think of Dunbarton Blue, made by master cheesemaker Chris Raleigh. I think of Ross Grand Cru Sierchois, which was named 2016's World Championship Cheese, and Satari's Black Pepper Bella Vitano, the 2017 U.S. Championship Cheese. Wisconsin produces the world's best cheese with lush grasslands and a glacial water supply that produce the very best milk. Fourth-generation cheesemakers combine old-world tradition with new ideas and the highest standards 
to make innovative cheeses that win more awards than any other state or country. To learn more, visit wisconsincheese.com. Okay, we're back. We're back with Jason Geiger and Yumiko Monecchio um, from Saki Suki. What does Saki Suki mean? Sake is, you know, sake, and suki means I like. So, so you I named like your sake. company I like sake. sake. I like that. Um, all right, I want to get not practical, but give our uh, listeners some useful information. So I want to talk about how to serve, drink, and pair sake with food. So let's talk serve first. You can serve sake hot and cold. What and why do you serve sake hot? Uh, because of the season. Okay. When the temperature is, you know, low, I would like to have room temperature or hot sake. But nothing to do with um, the type of sake or that it needs to be warm. Um, yeah, so if it's Junmai Daiginjo, maybe I don't want to heat it up too high. Maybe room temperature or lukewarm. Right. Because um, it gives a little bit more, like, I don't want to kill the elegant aroma right. by heating I, I up mean, too a, much. A beautiful French Chardonnay mm-hmm. at room temperature blossoms more than a very cold one. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with sake because yeah. it has its nuances. Mm-hmm. So you basically heat sake up because of the... For me, it's temper- temperature, okay. like it, yeah, and the weather. Is the majority of sake consumed cold? Certainly here, here in the U.S. Let's just stay with here. Yeah, I I, I would say yes. Okay, most of it's cold. But so, I, yeah. how do you serve sake? You serve it at room temperature, a little cooler, so the flavors come out. Yeah, I've seen square wooden sake glasses. Mm-hmm. That matters. Doesn't matter if you don't have that. What class would you serve it in? I like to drink sake from a nice wine glass. With a nice open top yeah. so that it opens up and yeah. you can get the uh, the flavors and all of that. Um, what else? I mean, you don't refrigerate it. Um, you would store it the same way you would wine. Wine. You want to protect more it. More of a white wine. Correct. Let's say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Keep it cool. Keep it in a dark place. Sunlight is not our friend. Right. Now, what about ageability of sake? Do you buy sake to hold for two, four, six, eight, ten years, or the majority you drink? So the sake brewers recommend to finish within a year okay. since the production or since they bought actually bottle. <coughs> so what happens if for some reason you leave sake in the closet for three years? What's mm-hmm. gonna happen? It's gonna lose its fruitiness. It's gonna. Wh- what will happen? Um, it gets a little bit more like acidity. Okay. In a good or a bad way? Um, I think it depends on the, the temperature okay. you, you store. Okay. If you age it nicely, and then you it have gets a better a nice, chance yeah, of it developing. Like a nice body and more like um, aroma. So the lesson learned fairly and squarely is you buy and drink sake within a year or two sure. or, or less you're it's, not it's throwing not, it in the cellar it's made to drink it's not an ageable thing yeah, you fresh. get no benefit from all of that right. I don't know if people uh, knew that or not alright so let's talk about pairing sake with food 
I think a lot of people drink sake at Japanese restaurants. Mm -hmm. I think inevitably gets served with sushi or whatever that restaurant mm -hmm. has. It probably goes well with that, but I know you guys have a broader picture of what we should be drinking sake with. And Jason, you had mentioned it earlier. You said, well, what type of sake? Certain types of sakes. So let's talk about the types of sakes and types of foods, you know, that are a little more out of the box as far as pairing. So out of the box, right now we happen to be drinking a Yamahai Junmai. So Yamahai is... the tradition, One of the traditional ways to brew sake okay. where lactic acid is not added to the mash. All right, so Yamiko, spell Yamahai, Y-A... M-A-H-A-I. And that's a sake where the lactic acid is not added. Correct. Correct. Okay. And just quickly, the characteristics, you mentioned it's a little funkier. Mm -hmm. Because of no lactic acid? It stays in the cold temperature, so it gets umami flavor out of rice Right, more. I get that. And you would pair this with something different than you would the other sake, potentially, yeah. right? So, what do you think? Do you want to... I, I love it, because, you know, I love, I love stuff that's a little more crazy and everything. Um, but traditional sake pairs traditionally with what? This one in, in particular, you know, you can have with a fattier or something with a little bit more oil in it. Um, you know, so you're not you're not thinking necessarily about the you know the the briny oyster or the sashimi. This you know a, a fatty piece of a, a steak. This would uh, go with a steak. You know, some funky cheese. You know, it'll hold up really it'll well. It'll hold up to the funk of a cheese. Absolutely. Whereas if you go to the more refined, it's just going to fall flat on those types of foods. So Yamahai holds up better to like meats, yeah. to cheeses. Like a and, grilled duck, chicken. Right, which is fatty mm -hmm. and, sure. and, and fuller and all of that. So I think it would be a cool thing for people to know that sake, Yamahai sake, has no lactic acid, and it would be an interesting pairing with foods you would never think about. Sure. Instead of a white wine, put out a Yamahai sake, a bunch of cheeses mm -hmm. and all that. Sure. If you go to a Korean barbecue and they yeah. have sake, get a Yamahai. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and it's trending in Japan right now as well, the Yamahai movement. Okay. It's becoming very, yeah, very popular now. Okay. It's like a natural wine of sake. That's that's the big thing now. Yeah. So Yamahai is like the hipster thing. <laughs> yep. So it's if, like earthy, geeky, right. mushroomy. So if you went to any sake place in Williamsburg, it's just all over the place, <laughs> right? Because it's hipster and it's Williamsburg. Okay. I get that. All right. Talk to me about any other sake pairing things. So the Yamahai definitely has its profile. Like its earthy, mind. red right. wine type. Uh, regular sake goes with traditional foods. Do you see foods beyond the traditional stuff? I mean... Sure, maybe Junmai Daiginjo, the premium sake, you know, the highest the, right the better, ratio. Right. It's very elegant, lighter, so it can handle... It goes well with like very sensitive like seasonal veggies, nice... Um, like nice stock, like it doesn't right. kill the sensitive flavor of the sensitive flavor of the. Pro, uh, what about the, the obvious, like fish? Fish, I mean, maybe like, like oyster, white okay. fish with a little salinity yeah, or clums. whatever. Okay. Um, all right. What's the name of the sake we're drinking right now? The second one is uh, Yamahai. Yamahai. Yes. And it's just sake. It's. So the producer's name is Manzairaku, okay. and then the, the classification for it is Yamahai Junmai. So this is a 
Manzaraka you bring in, mm -hmm. which is an artisanal maker. Yes. It's a Yamaha mm -hmm. and it's a Saki Suki yes. product. Yes. Okay. All right. So we're going to move to our weekly wine list. I want to ask you guys a bunch of questions. And during that and after that, we'll taste the last sake. Um, and then everybody will uh, chime in on what they liked and all of that. Now, before we do that, Jason, you took some time in your life to become a, to get certified in the world of sake. Sure. Now, please tell me this isn't something you don't send away on the internet. Fill out 10 questions. Tell me what it is and what you did. It, it, it wasn't. It was, um, there is uh, something called the SSI, the Sake Service Institute, uh, that exists here in the U.S. as well as Japan. And it's, it's a certification in, the, um, in its lowest form. There are higher levels if I want to become a sommelier. You can continue, I can continue more education and certification. Correct. So this is the first step. Do you have a desire level. to climb up the ladder, or you don't have the time right now? Time is an issue. <laughs> um, if I have the time, or when I have the time, I would like to, you know, continue my studies. I mean, I but I still, at the end of the day, I study every night when right. I come home when we consume when we consume sake. Uh, but it's it's knowledge based. So uh, you are a what's your title? Certified sake advisor. Does anyone in your family give a crap about that? No. Okay. Um, this Yamaha is incredibly earthy. I mean, my last taste was almost like mushroomy. Yeah. You know, it's it's delicious in that sense. Thank you. I could see the nuances, you know, with certain food and all of that. Mm -hmm. All right, we're talking to uh, Yumiko and Jason from Saki Suki. I want to subject them to our uh, weekly wine list. It's a bunch of questions we ask our guests to get some great recommendations and info out of them. So the wine list is a list of questions about wine. This is our special sake edition. All right. So the questions will be sake centric. All right. So the first question, and each of you can answer it. Don't dwell. You don't have to be long on this. What are you guys drinking now? Sake and non-sake. Like, are you tasting things for the business? Are you on some wine obsession, beer? Yumiko, what are you drinking right now? I've been drinking Yamaha. Okay. So not only Manzaraku Yamaha, okay. but when I went back to Japan for three weeks last month, I just collected all the kinds like Yamaha from different producers. So you got deep into the Yamaha yeah. thing. Okay. It's so geeky. That's some, cool. Like, no, I like that. What about you? Uh, well, we live together, so if she's drinking it, I'm so pretty much been, drinking it. Okay. Um, so you've been doing a deep dive in Yamaha. Doing a deep dive in Yamaha. Okay. Yes. All right. You guys, we just talk about sake and food pairing. I want your, Yumiko and mm -hmm. Jason, your favorite sake and food pairing. Favorite sake and pairing. And food. Um, so We ask people wine and food. Mm -hmm. You know, people say champagne, fried chicken, right, and right. muscadet oysters. Mm -hmm. What's what's your what do you go oh wow when you drink sake and what so um as i mentioned when i went back to my hometown last month i loved um eating my mom's fried calamari pairing with okay. yamaha it was just fried so it's a little bit oily but like fresh seafood from fukui prefecture so the yamaha held up to the oil from yeah. the fried any I mean, sauce on it or anything a or little bit like salt Okay, so pretty much. Top. What about you, Jason? Um, my favorite pairing. Um, I really, 
I'm a sucker for meats and cheeses okay. in terms of, you know, like a charcuterie plate just sitting out. So, again, we're still on the MI theme. So, do you guys <laughs> ever drink anything besides we, sake? We do, but it's also... I think it's also seasonal right now. It's it's cold outside, so something that's that's got this great body uh, is really speaking to us right now. Right, it's perfect timing and food and preference yes. wise. Okay, those are good ones. All right, I ask my guests your favorite wine restaurant and or bar mm-hmm. that has a eye towards wine service, wine selection, mm-hmm. wine knowledge, and there are wine bars and restaurants that do it you know really well. We actually gave awards out at the end of the year to different places mm-hmm. that the guests... Are there sake places or restaurants that get the sake thing? The selection, mm-hmm. the knowledge? I mean, do you guys, can each of you name a place? Sure. Um, so it's not a Japanese place. No, it doesn't have to be. But when I went to Aqua Bit last year... Aqua V, okay. So they carry the... That's in Soho? Uh, in Midtown. Midtown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aqua V. Uh-huh. So, um, they have two Swedish stores? Yes. Yes. Right. So the, um, they have our sake, so we wanted to try how they're pairing with non-Japanese food. Um, I just love their service. It's just, they took us to a long journey to Nordic area. It's just, they talk about the region, then the family history, talk about the wine itself, the sake itself, and then we are just amazed how the sommeliers are educated to even talk about sake. I think, first of all, that's a spectacular restaurant. The room, the people, the food is incredibly creative. Mm. And I think sake pairs well with that type of food. Yeah, it's so like a clean, but yeah, still like nice very, freshness. Very, you know, Swedish, uh-huh. contemporary. Uh-huh. What about you? Do you have something beyond that? So I'll give two answers, a, a sake and a, and a wine. For, for wine, I love Charlie Bird in Soho. Great call. It's fun. Uh, it's the food, the wine. The food, the wine, the service, the atmosphere. Neighborhood. Yeah, it's cool. Yep. Uh, it comes it's up a, re- a lot on this show. Yeah, it's a relaxed environment, uh, and you're getting That's great. That's Robert Bohr, who's, you know, a right. wine uh-huh. great impresario. F- great food, great wine at, at, at good prices. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm talking about sake, uh, first stop on the 7 train in the Long Island city, there's a Japanese place called uh, Takumen. Spell. T-A-K-U-M-E-N. And it's a sushi restaurant? Uh, Izakaya. Izakaya. Explain what Izakaya is. Japanese pub. Right. So Not omakase chefs, not regular sushi. No, you're getting getting fried chicken wings. Right. uh, You know, things of of that sort. And their sake list is... uh, it's great. It's not extensive. It's not very long, but what they have there is is very special and, and sought out. When you say it's not extensive, I mean they have more sakis than most places. Yes. Right? I mean than restaurants. I mean they go a little deeper and all of that. Certainly, I, I would say there's. How many would you say are on Takumen's list? How many different types of sake? Maybe twenty. Maybe twenty. Okay. There is a restaurant, Keen's Chop House. He's got about, I don't know, 180 scotches on the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, every age, every... Is there a restaurant in New York that has, like, 100 sakis? Yeah. You know, that, that's, you know, mine's bigger than yours. Here's all my sakis. Yeah, there is a restaurant called Sakagura. Sakagura means sake brewery in Midtown. And they specialize they have like in having... They kinds of okay. sake. Okay. All right. So... 
Do you have a favorite all-time sake? When you ask a wine guy, he goes, oh, 1961 right. Petrus. Do you have a sake that just resonated with you to this day? So it's called, the brewery is called Jozan. Spell? J-O-Z-A-N. Okay. Um, actually, that sake brought me into this business. So I didn't like the hometown that I grew up, but when I moved to Japan, I realized that how amazing my hometown was. Like the nature is beautiful, the you know the food is great. And then my preschool friend, who I grew up, is now the president of Jozan, and ah. then he invited me to his brewery, and I tasted his sake because um, he is now the president at his young age, but. Because of he's, Jozan? Yeah, Jozan. Because his father passed away because of cancer. So right. it he was like... He stepped in. Yeah. And, and the sakis are amazing. And then he became a master brewery. Then he's just doing everything on him on his own. And then the, the first sip of his sake was just amazing. So. All right, not to put you on the spot, but when are we repping this guy? Uh, hopefully soon. Okay. <laughs> Leave it, it at that. Leave it at that. Because it sounds like somebody you should be bringing in. Oh, absolutely. And it sounds like your profile of, you know, who you're... And Jesus, you've known the guy since preschool. If you can't <laughs> close this deal. Um, what about you? Favorite all-time sake? It, it, since you've been in the business and tasted stuff and had privy, you know, access to certain things? So maybe my answer is a bit unfair um, because it's more uh, experience in everything right. rolled into one. And I can't even tell you what the sake was, but we went to... It was more the experience. It was more the experience. We went to Kamakura, which is a city about 30 miles south of Tokyo okay. after New Year's uh, one year. And it's very traditional in Japanese culture to go, you know, to a shrine, uh, you know, in, in the new year. And when we were down there, you know, it's a festival going on. And I literally had cup sake. It's in the size of an individual serving that was sitting on a, on a warm tray. And I had that with some yakisoba, which is kind of like a Japanese lo mein. Right, noodles. And that experience was... Just the whole package. It just, it made me feel... I'll never, I'll never look Japanese or, right. or but it made me feel. I, I felt at home when I when I had that. So that was, and I can't tell you what the sake was. No, I, I had uh, Cedric Nikazin last week, and he's the wine director at Eleven Madison, mm, and the game doesn't get better than that. And I said, "What's your favorite thing?" And he said, mm. "I don't know the year, but it was a Dom Perignon on a lake." in Vermont three days before we were getting married and it was about that it was champagne the wedding and they were in the right place so sometimes it doesn't have to be the brand or the vintage year it's the environment and that's a good example all right last question two answers I asked my uh, guest best wine around 15 bucks 15 to 20 bucks give me a red and a white I'm not asking you that what I'm asking you is the best sake around 15 bucks so so Three things. Tell me if that's the wrong price point, and we'll reset it. One. Number two, give me the best um, sake suki in that price range. And if there's anything else outside of sake suki, we should look at. So this is a longer answer than you're looking for, but there are sake producers popping up in the U.S. now. And I think that... Made in the U.S.? Made in the I've U.S. I've been reading about that. And I think... And I don't know their price points, but I think that's our best bet for finding something of that price. American-made sake. American-made sake because you don't have the cost to import because it's already made here. Right. 
Um, so what about the rice, the raw material? Are they are they emulating? They're emulating via California and Arkansas. Okay, but, but they're they making make, that bigger grain and they you know, ma- yeah they make they make high like quality product. Sure, there's cigars where they use Cuban seed. Are they using like uh, Japanese seed rice, or they're starting from scratch? I believe it's both. Okay, um, but I'm I can't say for sure. So best value sakis because you don't have to worry about importation and costs. Could be American made. Um, without competing against yourself, does a brand come to mind? If it doesn't, it doesn't. Uh, it's not popping into mind right now. And it's fine. Yeah, it's, that's it's fine. Tough. What if people want to go entry level sake suki? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like listen, I drink bourbon and I like wine. The sake thing, I'm willing to try, but I ain't laying a lot of jack down on this. Mm-hmm. What am I buying sake suki? What's my entry level sake suki? So we have a, a Honjozo from Manzairaku, which is a sake drinker sake. It's very simple, uh, can be served cool, room temperature, warm, very versatile, great entry point. Uh, what am I paying retail a you're, bottle? You're paying around 27 bucks for okay. that. Okay. So I don't want to incriminate you here, but... Is there crappy sake for a lot cheaper, or sake kind of starts at a level 15, 20, 25, 30 for the quality stuff? I think the quality stuff, you, you gotta, you got to be into the mid-20s. Okay. So that's good for my listeners to know. If you want to drink decent sake, you're not buying... Because you could buy a bottle of white Chardonnay for mm-hmm. $9 at a supermarket. Right, right. That ain't happening with sake, right? It's like a, I mean, there is supermarket sake. Yeah. It's just, but, you know, machine-made sake. Listen, yeah. those are not my listeners, Jimmy. <laughs> Don't insult me. Um, all right, so you can get into a sake suki for the mid-20s, and it was called the... The Honjozo. Honjozo, which is H-O-N-J-O-Z-O. Correct. All right, so we have a segment in our show called the, uh, it's called the Weekly Wine Sip, and we taste a wine at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. We're not drinking wine, and we've already been drinking sake, but this is a good opportunity to try the last sake that you brought in and just review what we drank. So every week we taste a different wine on air. This week we've been tasting the three sakes. We're going to taste the third sake. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the third sake? That's Daiginjo. Okay, and Daiginjo. give me a little background on it. Sure, Daiginjo is rice polish ratio is 40%, so 60% of the rice is removed, only 40% remaining. Okay. It's coming from Unoshuzo, where I grew up. Uh, the prefecture is called Fukui. Okay. They have 400 years of history. And this is Genshu Daiginjo. Genshu means it's not diluted with water. So high alcohol content at eighteen percent. It has nice elegant aroma, but it pops up on on your mouth in your mouth. Yes, it. Um, so we, Jason, we didn't talk about this. I mean, when we talk wine on the show, we talk descriptive. We talk nose, we talk mouth feel, we talk palate, mm-hmm. um, we talk acidity and all that. Like this last sake. What would you use as descriptors for the nose? Um, maybe a bit of melon okay. in here. 
definitely has a floral bouquet. Definitely floral. But you can, you know, as Yumiko mentioned, it's it's a Genshu, so it's undiluted, so it's a higher alcohol content. So you, you what is the alcohol that. content? Eighteen percent. Okay. And the other two we drank are less. Fifteen. Okay. 16. So it's two, three uh, mm-hmm. percentage more. Sure. Um, let's talk um, palate descriptors. What are we getting on this? Like ripe apples. Mm-hmm. What else, Jason? Maybe some banana. Yeah, like a little exotic. Stone fruit. It's like mm. a little bit like a fruit. Now, does the mouth feel vary a lot? Are there thinner, more volup? Are there thinner sakis, more voluptuous ones? Sure. Oily. I mean, you do get a range of mouth feels. I. I was- this feels pretty full. This feels quite, and I don't know if this is an appropriate word on the show, but juicy to me. Um, juicy and delicious are two of our favorite words. So I, I would say this one is juicy, whereas when we were having the Yamaha, it was more creamy. Creamy, drier, and yeah. all that. But that's the Yamaha profile. Yeah. What would we pair? What's a good pairing for this? Um, I like to do pairing with um, very like butter-rich dishes. Like? Uh, like, um, like sautéed, uh, butter sautéed salmon. Shrimp scampi? Yeah. You know, with a buttery yeah, sauce yeah, yeah. and all of that. Uh-huh. Uh, what about a baked potato with like a big water pot? Yeah. <laughs> Done. So it could hold up to that butter, oily uh-huh. richness and all of that. Because uh, alcohol content is higher, so it's like aftertaste is sharp. So right. So you can handle the richness. So tell me again what we drank. Uno Shuzo, that's the name of the brewery. Uno Shuzo's Genshu Daiginjo. Okay, and then the Yamaha, Yamaha that we drank was? From Manzairaku. Okay, um, I will post those because there are at least three companies, Manzairaku, Kaju. Kagatsuru. Right. And, and Uno Shuzo. Right. The first sake we drank? Kagatsuru. Okay, so I will post all of that. So now you know a little more about sake. You know a little more about Saki Suki. You know what uh, Yumiko and Jason's sort of passion and drive is, which is to bring in high-quality Sakis um, from small makers. Um, and you could sort of rest assured that they've curated, you know, brands that are interesting and delicious and made by people that are passionate. Um, if people want to know more about Saki Suki... Where do they go? The website? Beautiful website. Website. Um, we're small enough and we and we care enough about the individual attention that anyone could shoot us an email and okay. contact information on the website. Uh, info at sakesuki-llc.com. Everything's on the website. Uh, um, Instagram? Instagram. Yeah, sure. Instagram is well, uh, incredible. Your Instagram is at sakesuki. Sakesuki, yeah. S-A-K-E-S-U-K-I. Your Twitter is at sakesuki. Any other social media? Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Are you at Saki Suki or just Saki Suki? Uh, Saki Suki. Okay. Suki, so you can look up Saki yeah. Suki. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to wrap up the show. I will post everything on our social media. I'll post Yumiko and Jason's wine list. I will post the three Sakis they, that we drank. I will post some of that nerdy... Um, 
how Saki has made info and classifications and all that. I got to admit, I thought, you know, we'd have a handle on this. There's a lot going on here. It's not crazy, but, you know, you could kind of rope it in easily. But um, I want people to understand it. All right, so we're going to wrap up. If you have a question, wine happening or event, hit me up at Sam at thegrapenation.com. That's Sam at thegrapenation.com. Follow us on Facebook at The Grape Nation. We'll post Yumiko and Jason's wine list and our uh, weekly wine sip, which is the three sakis that we tasted today, on all our social media within the next few days. Follow this show on Instagram at SBenRuby and at hashtag the Grape Nation. You now can follow hashtags, and we have a hashtag the Grape Nation. Um, at Twitter, we're at BenRuby. Um, Yumiko and Jason told you that you can contact them directly at info at Sakisuki. You could follow them on Instagram at, at Sakisuki. You could follow them at Twitter at Sakisuki. Um, and you can get more information on their website, which is www.sakisuki-llc.com. Yeah, what's up Couldn't with that? Couldn't get it. Somebody owns it, and Jesus he won't respond Christ. to my emails. Send a couple of guys over to rough that guy <laughs> up, all right? Uh, all right, listen, I want to thank you, Miko, for you. coming in. Jason, I want to thank you for coming in. Thanks I want to thank you guys for enlightening our audience about sake. Um, I hope this show inspires you to drink more sake. Um, if you're going to start, you might as well start drinking Jason and Yumiko's um, brands from Saki Suki. I want to thank our engineer, Vitor, as always, and everyone at the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sam Ben Ruby, and you've been listening to The Grape Nation. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.